So, each one of us needs to ask some honest self-examination questions. But as we do this, please keep your individual answers in your hearts, just between you and God. But be totally honest before the Holy Spirit in order to be rebuked or corrected because this is the purpose of all scripture. And the questions flow from today's Bible passage. So first one, what portion of each hour do I focus on God, Christ, and the proclamation of the gospel to other people? Or let's put it in another fashion. Let's restate it. In the average of 12 hours of daylight from sunrise to sunset, how many hours of that day, of every day, do I give to Christ and his gospel, including telling others about him? Conversely, how many hours do I take for myself and my own selfish desires, pushing God into the background to focus on me and my passions? And I'm ashamed to say this is not an everyday occurrence, maybe once a month, but there are days when I will take eight to nine hours for myself, and I mean for myself, not even really being totally aware of God. Now, these are important questions for each child of God to ask because today's passage gives us an insight into the church-planting Apostle Paul's heart and how he focused his passion. So let's summarize the letter so far because we haven't gotten that deep in it. After he greeted the people who are being made holy in Christ that are living in Philippi, he thanked God in prayer because they had continually participated as partners with him in defending and confirming, in other words, proclaiming and passing on the gospel. And then last week we heard how he prayed that the self-giving love and righteousness that they were having would continue to grow in knowledge and purity that came through Christ until his day so God would be praised and glorified. And now, in keeping with the typical form of first century letters, he briefly describes what is happening in his life at that moment. As he is chained to many elite Roman soldiers every day in his rented room, he has made Christ evident, or using a big English word, manifested, to all of those soldiers and to everyone else to whom he came into contact. And because these actions of his were made known to members of the house churches in the city of Rome, 
they had become persuaded to become bold to speak the word. Now some were doing this out of love for him and for God, but others were speaking out of selfish ambition and envy of Paul because uh, they were hoping to cause him tribulation in his chains and his confinement. But as we heard at the end of this, Paul is rejoicing and he's sure he will continue to be given joy. So the big question, and I'm going to be honest, I'll give credit to Gordon Fee and his commentary, and he's an amazing teacher of God, spirit-filled. The source of his joy was just one thing. Regardless of their motive, many brothers in Rome are proclaiming Christ. And from this, we can conclude that regardless of his circumstances, Paul had only one all-consuming passion in his heart every moment of every day that all would come to know Christ and proclaim him. Well, our passage this morning is in two parts. And what I love is that both are real. What do I mean by real? They show that sorrow is often mixed with joy. So in part one, Paul writes that his chains have brought progress to the gospel among the soldiers so that the brothers in Rome are now speaking the word without fear. He begins by saying, brothers, I want you to know my situation has brought more progress to the gospel. Literally says, brothers, I desire you to know the reason for the things about me, namely this, the progress in the coming of the gospel, it has increased. Well, gospel, I mean, we hear this word all the time. What is the gospel? Well, let me quote to you portions of various letters the apostle himself wrote. First, to the churches in Galatia. O foolish Galatians, before your eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, and through the Spirit, by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness, faith working through love. And then to those in Corinth, he said, Christ died for our sins and was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. And then in his first letter, to his beloved Timothy, he said, this saying is sure. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the foremost of sinners. And then in his second letter to the churches in Corinth, he said, for our sake, God made him to be sin who had no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
that gives you a flavor of the good news of what Jesus did. And then he goes on to say, it has now become evident to all people that I am in chains because I am in Christ. And the brothers in Rome have become confident or persuaded to speak the word without fear. Why is he in chains? Because he's in Christ, okay? Don't believe that lying gospel that says, if you give your life to Jesus, you'll be happy and have everything you want all the time. No, sometimes being in Christ leads to trouble, tribulations, and difficulties. So he says specifically, my chains in Christ have become evident or manifest to literally the praetorium guards and to all. Who are the praetorium? They were elite Roman soldiers in special service to the emperor. And one of their duties was to take the place of prison buildings. There were no prison buildings in the city of Rome itself. There were some prisons out in the provinces, but not in the city. And now we get an idea of how Rome was decaying, although they were very efficient. To save money, these prisoners in the city of Rome were responsible to provide for their own food and shelter. No expensive buildings to build or maintain. The only cost to Rome was to pay 12 soldiers each of these 12 working in teams of two in four-hour shifts chained one to each arm of the prisoner. Now, if the prisoner could afford to rent a nice room, this would be easy duty for the soldiers. And if the prisoner had to live outside in the elements, what's four hours outside to a well-trained, fit soldier? And again, here's cynicism. If a poor prisoner died because of two months of exposure without food, well, think of all the money the state was saving. So this is what it meant to be in prison or a prisoner then. And this was Paul's first confinement in Rome. But we know he had a rented room where he was chained to teams of soldiers 24-7. Remember when we went through Acts? This is how the book ends. In his room, he was greeting people. Now, from what Luke wrote at the end of Acts, we know that as Paul was preaching the gospel every single day to many visitors who came to see him in his rented room, they heard what he was saying. And his words here in this letter confirm our conclusion. So even chained to soldiers, Paul used every waking hour to fulfill the great commission, which is to make disciples of people of all nations. And at the close of the letter, which we'll eventually get to, the very last chapter, Paul sends greetings from the saints. What's a saint? Someone being made holy by the gospel. Those who are in Caesar the emperor's household. 
And surely some of these saints were from this elite guard. And then he says, and many brothers in the Lord have been persuaded because of my chains. Now this word for persuasion of these brothers implies the convincing had an element of faith. And as I looked at multiple translations, some use faith here rather than persuasion. And he says, and these brothers are daring even more to speak the word without fear. So here we have good coming out of suffering. By this time, which was in the early 60s, 61 or 62 AD, Christians in Rome were in some danger for speaking the word of the gospel. Now, because Paul would not allow his suffering of confinement and chains to stop him from speaking of Christ, those who were still free to come and go were made bold by the testimony of his life of faith. And these circumstances right here in this passage may have been behind what Paul put in a letter to the Christians in Rome. Remember he said, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Even being chained to soldiers and depending on donations from supporters to afford this rented room. And then he goes on to say in the second part, these brothers are evangelizing Romans from different motives. But it doesn't matter. Paul rejoices because the truth of Christ is preached throughout. Now he says some are preaching from envy and selfish ambition, seeking to distress him in his chains, but others preach Christ from goodwill out of love, knowing that Paul is being appointed by God to defend the gospel. So here we have one of those circular things where he starts with the bad motives and then he puts two explanations of the good motives and continues and concludes with those with bad motives. So the first thing he says is some indeed also are preaching Christ because of envy and strife. Now who are these brothers? And the three commentaries I looked at all said People have trouble really understanding this. These are not heretics. These are not unbelievers. These are brothers. But why are they acting this way? And perhaps, perhaps, and this is kind of my conclusion, these brothers are being influenced by those with sensuous minds who insisted that self-abasement was necessary in worship and they were troubling these brothers, and these brothers were becoming troublers because of the influence. Remember back in Colossians, which Colossae was across the Aegean Sea from Macedonia in Asia Minor. This was a heresy that was starting to creep into the church. And what they did was they went beyond the four limits on Christian liberty that had been determined by the first council of Christian leaders from all the nations 
in Jerusalem some 10 years before this. And you can look it up in Acts 15 if you've forgotten what we saw a few years ago when we were there. But he says, secondly, in this same verse, some also are preaching Christ because of goodwill. And this word literally means good thinking. So he's saying here first about these people, they have a correct understanding of the gospel of Christ. And he goes on to say, indeed, out of love they are preaching, having known that I am appointed to the defense of the gospel. So their motive is also from the heart, not just their minds and what they know and understand, but out of love for Paul and love for God, they are preaching because they recognize that call Paul, sorry, Paul is being called and uh, appointed by God to the proclaiming and defending of the truth of the gospel of Christ. That was earlier in this letter. So they're supporting him with their whole soul, with their minds and with their hearts. Now he spends just a few moments on these people, but now he returns to the former who out of selfish ambition, and as he parenthetically says, not with pure motive, are proclaiming the gospel throughout Rome supposing they are raising up or awakening tribulations to me in my chains. In other words, they're preaching a less than totally true gospel. Some people think these were the Jews who wanted to force everybody to maintain kosher and all of those things. We're not entirely sure. But when we're talking about selfish ambition here, Paul would write to these very same brothers in Rome that those who reject the truth and follow evil because of their selfish ambition will get back from God anger and wrath. First, as discipline to bring them back to the truth. But secondly, if they stay separated from God, it could also be in judgment and condemnation. Now, it's interesting that Paul would use this very word or phrase that they're supposing or assuming that their actions from impure motives would cause Paul to suffer tribulation. Again, they are not disciples growing in Christ as Paul was urging the Philippians, and maybe because he's seeing what's happening to the church in Rome right in front of him, they don't realize he has the peace of God. We'll get to this in chapter 4 of this letter. And this peace allows him to realize the Holy Spirit can use the truth of the gospel, the truth, regardless of a speaker's motives, to bring people out of a crooked and perverse generation. That's chapter 3 of this letter into the righteousness that is through the faith of Christ, chapter 3. So he's already in this one sentence anticipating the whole letter. And here's something we need to realize because Paul realized it, and it's true. Different people will proclaim Christ in different ways. But he concludes that, except that in every manner Christ is being preached throughout, 
And in this I am rejoicing and will be given to rejoice all the way into the future. Literally says, what then? What then? Except that in every manner, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is being preached throughout. Now this word he uses isn't the usual word for preaching. It's a compound word that indicates the gospel is being preached throughout all of the region. So with all of these different people out there preaching, in Rome, these evangelists with their mixed motives are doing God's will in carrying out Christ's last command to make disciples of all people. And he says, and in this, this truth that I know that God has revealed to me and I'm sure of, I am rejoicing and will be made to rejoice. There's joy that comes from evangelism. And if we know forgiveness of sins in Christ, and if we have his life in us by the Holy Spirit, both of those things, we too will rejoice along with this church-planting apostle Paul whenever we hear of Christ's gospel being preached anywhere in the world and especially in unfavorable conditions. We will have a heart for the mission of Christ. We rejoice with God when Christ is being preached. And now let's say a word specifically about Paul's heart. He had a heart at this time after he met Christ that was fully consumed with Christ and Christ's mission. To him, nothing else mattered. And he never felt threatened by other Christians doing their God-given work. All he wanted was to complete the work that had been given to him by God. And in his very last words to his son in the faith, Timothy, he expressed his unusual heart beautifully. I give you 2 Timothy 4 as homework this week. Spend at least a half an hour prayerfully reading it and meditating on it. It would take two sermons to expound everything that's in there. But this will help us to understand that we can rejoice with God when Christ is being preached. And finally, here's our challenge. What about us? We are not in chains. I can look around. Nobody here is chained to a soldier. So every hour of every day with our lives, may we both do our part to fulfill the Great Commission and be content to let others do their part, even if their motives seem questionable. What matters? is that Christ is being preached to all people everywhere and that we are doing our part because I had prayed and talked about earlier, inaction is sin. We must be doing our part. We must be finding it out. And then we will rejoice 
with God whenever Christ is being preached, especially when we do it. There's nothing more wonderful. I hope we all know this. There's nothing more wonderful than sharing the truth and the gospel of Christ with someone who needs him and is seeking. So the Apostle Paul wants his brothers in Philippi to know that his being in chains in Rome has led to progress, the progress of having come to the gospel. Okay? More and more people are coming to the gospel, and Christ is being made evident or manifested to all through his behavior. And this has persuaded many brothers in Rome to boldly and without fear speak the word. But while some are preaching Christ out of envy and selfish ambition, in an effort to raise up tribulation to Paul in his chains, others are preaching the good news out of love. Love for God, love for Paul. And so because in every way the truth about Christ is being preached, he's rejoicing and knows he will continue to be given joy until he sees Christ face to face. His only passion is for Christ to be known and the gospel to be proclaimed. May that be our only consuming passion, whatever we're doing. May we rejoice with God when Christ is being preached and especially when we get to do it. Amen.